yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wacker, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And today I have Timmy Dooley, the Fianna Fáil spokesperson on communications, climate action and environment in the studio. Timmy, we're going to talk about the national broadband plan in a while. uh, But first, I want to ask you about a few other things that you've been talking about. First, the idea of a new advertising tax on Facebook and Google in Ireland in an effort to fund newspapers. Do you think that would work? I do. I, I think there's there's an existential crisis uh, in traditional media. And whilst I get and understand that no different to every other aspect of society, technology forces change and that's a good thing. What we have to be careful, though, is that we don't lose the journalistic ethic that sits behind that because public service, news and current affairs is really a fundamental tenet of democracy. It's ho- it holds all of us, business, politics, and society generally to account. Uh, And if we allow the loss uh, of that profession, I think, you know, at some point in in time, probably too late, uh, if we allow, you know, the developments that are happening to go ahead, we'll come to recognise that 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 quality, well-curated, properly researched journalism will be replaced uh, with poorly researched poorly resourced well, many uh, of our and cynical, bad quality Many uh, of our journalism. cynical listeners are probably, you know, shaking their fist at their uh, their phone and saying, it already has, it already has. Yeah, How but it's not until you see the kind of interference then that happens further down the line with fake news. And we've seen what the Russians have been doing. Now, when I started talking about this two years ago, uh, I suspect, and maybe longer, three years ago, I've been four, when I talked about the impact of fake news on democracy, people thought I had, had, had taken something, that I'd lost the run of myself. And now people are starting to say, you know, you were talking about this a long time ago before anybody talked about it. Um, because I could see what was happening. I talked to friends of mine who are journalists who could see their newsrooms being hollowed out because, quite frankly, the advertising revenue had shifted to the digital platforms. So, so it's, about following the, it's about following the money in the first instance. So who would benefit? Uh, I think society, I think democracy no, would benefit. who would benefit from the money collected? Uh, well, I felt that... Who would get the money? Yeah, well, what I felt was that that's not an issue for, for, for politicians because I think you have to retain that, that bulwark between 
uh, journalism and, and politics. And, and therefore, I looked at the idea of expanding the role of the, the BAI, the Broadcasting Authority, and that they would develop a skill set and a capacity to fund mainstream uh, public service journalism, whether isn't, it be on whether it be in, on a digital platform, yeah. it be on a, in the print sector, or whether it be in the broadcast sector. Isn't the devil in that detail? Because how do you draw? Where do you draw the line between, say, let's look at the Irish environment? Uh, you, you know, Irish Independent, Sunday Independent, Daily Mail, Irish Times, the Sun, Mirror, all of these newspapers. Then you've got radio stations, you've got local radio stations. Who makes it in and who doesn't? Yeah, well, that'll be an issue for for the, for the broadcasting authority of Ireland to develop a skill set about funding quality well-researched, well-resourced um, and, and, you know, authentic news and current affairs that's balanced and is independent. Now, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that you just give uh, a bottom-line grant to each one of those papers. It's to deliver certain content that meets those standards. I don't think politicians should be setting no, those and standards. and that's a rabbit hole we could go down yeah, in terms yeah. of whether uh, endless articles that Meghan Markle yeah. uh, represent uh, quality content. I have my own views on that, but I work no, they, in, in no, a they, media no, they and the don't. media is a broad no, no, spectrum. No, they don't, but that sells papers as well to a yeah. certain cohort. But I think, uh, you know, accurate, uh, well-researched, appropriately curated um, news and current affairs that, that is fair and impartial, um, that does need uh, to be vented. It, it doesn't maybe sell in the same, yeah. uh, the same way as others, yeah, but I think if you're to protect the profession, and I'm not hung up on it being necessarily support for the print sector per se, but it's the quality of journalism that sits behind that, uh, and let it be on a digital platform, that's fine. Uh, but I just think the idea of you know, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world who see themselves as platforms allowing in a loving way of everybody to communicate with each other and we all want to embrace free speech and we do uh, but if, it, if that's replaced with uh, fake news that effectively controls the eyeballs or satisfies the eyeballs of consumers there's a loss to our democratic yeah, uh, I mean, our, our democracy I said, and we're our not going to go down this rabbit hole because there are a hundred degrees yeah. of nuance between what is overt fake news and impartial I can look at I the, 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 the factors that have uh, accelerated Brexit along and I would personally hold a view that it would be more to do with the likes of the Daily Mail than it is with Facebook. But that's a personal view. Yeah. A lot of people would disagree. They would say that uh, yeah. platforms like Facebook have weaponized. Um, and the truth, is somewhere in, the, tr- the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I'm not saying that, 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 the, that, that, that there's just a one-size-fits-all here. But I think we need to have the debate mm. and we need to be prepared to pay for it. And I go back to a sort of a base principle for me. It's the question that I ask at the beginning. Do we believe uh, in public service news and current affairs, well then, if the answer to that is yes, then we must pay for it. Do you have uh, any idea how much a tax would be? Uh, I don't would know. I think, it's, I think it starts off small. I, it, it's, not, it's, it's not a tax on the company. It's a tax on the, 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 the revenue uh, from uh, corporate advertising. So it's actually a tax on advertisers um, rather than on the company. Now, you know, it, it, it will apply to, you know, if there's, uh, if there's an independent digital advertising, well, then you'll contribute something to that, that too, that as the will RTE, as will everybody else. Does that mean the Irish revenue, because so it's much just of the, Facebook it's just the and Irish Google's uh, overall advertising revenue is actually booked in Ireland? Does that mean we no, would get I, some I, unbelievably I don't huge think so. uh, amount no, of money? No, I don't want to give the impression that there's a that there's a pot of gold, because these digital companies are very well versed in, in uh, tax management, if you want. So, so I would see it as 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 a levy uh, on uh, the Irish advertising component 
uh, you know, that's that's sourced here, um, and that's to the Irish market. Um, that has effectively traditionally been in our print media. Now, but some of that comes, as you know, from the UK. It's the kind of advertising that has been replaced uh, within 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 the print sector. Just a sideways move in terms of topics, because you're talking about public service journalism, and that brings up the idea of a license fee. And in Ireland, broadly speaking, we have supported the idea of a license fee as they do in the UK. It's 160 euro at the moment. You're in favour of replacing the current system of that license fee with, you say, a broadcasting charge attached to every household. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, well, first of all, what I, what I would want to see is that we make a much, a much better effort uh, to collect the uncollected license fee. Um, you know, 75-80% of people in this country pay their license on demand. They pay it through the post office. There's a 15% that don't, and then there's a group of people who, because of their their their, their being pension age, it's provided by the state. Um, but there's between 30 and 40 million lost revenue every year that could be well utilised in supporting uh, public service broadcasting in RTE in the first instance. Uh, but also, um, a paper that I published previously set out the capacity to fund local news and current affairs through local and regional uh, radio stations because they too are losing revenue from the shift in uh, advertising to the digital platform. I, I do have to ask a basic question and I will come back to the licence fee in one second. Do we just have too many radio stations and newspapers? Are we now in an era where the fundamental means of distribution of news and information and comment and advice has just shifted from what used to be print and radio airwaves to online and that's just the way of the world it may well be i don't believe there's too many and i'll tell you why um because if we if if, if we fall into the trap of losing that collection uh, that research within a local area you know you, you take um the franchise area for any ra- radio station whether it's tip fm claire fm Kerry fm by concentrating on that geography you 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 give vent to and you you allow those communities uh, to reach out to each other through that platform, through the journalism that's there. I, I don't mind if, if, if that news and current affairs is collected and presented in a digital format or in a print format or in a broadcast format. But if you allow the radio station to disappear and the hope that people will consume their media from their iPhone, what happens to the journalists that are there? What happens to the reporting on you know, the underage games? That which is really important to our culture um, court reports, um, you know, county council meetings, all of these, that's really expensive news to capture and gather. So, uh, the, the, And the if we see the demise, if, if, if we mm-hmm. don't somehow uh, sort of square the circle, if you want, of this, this massive shift in terms of advertising to the digital platforms, the, 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 the journalistic effort on the other end will be lost. And I think it'll, you know, in time we'll, we'll realise what we have lost. And, and that's why I... You know, want the debate to take place. Now, I've come forward with some ideas. I'm not saying they're, they're the be-all and end-all, but let's have the debate. Let's see if we're prepared to protect and preserve the uh, journalism that goes behind the capture uh, of community life, uh, of county life. The picture you're painting, life. though, is a slightly depressing one in the sense that journalism and local media cannot survive, will not survive commercially by itself in a market structure as is that it has to be somehow subvented I don't think that I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that I, I would say that there's a transition because of the the, the sudden um, 
shift in, in commercial advertising to the digital platforms because, because of what, what digital platforms offer in terms of the tailoring specific to, uh, you know, almost to the individual taste, that has taken away the more blanket approach because, you know, you pick up one of your titles, the Sunday Independent. No, no, there's going to be four pages probably on Sunday dealing with supermarket ads. Now, that's not going to motivate me one way or another about what I purchase. But, but, but clearly, a lot of people are motivated to do that because if they weren't Tesco and Aldi and Lidl, they wouldn't be placing the advertising there. But now there's much more targeted advertising going on through the digital platform. So I'll expect to see ads in my news feed of something that I have Googled or searched for or whatever. I was checking something about my car the other day uh, on Google. Now I keep getting... Uh, some information fed into my my, 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 my news feeds about about a car product or whatever so 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 I can see how that's how that's appealing and it can be done more cost effective to the do you think people are more or less informed now nationally in terms of local uh, issues uh, international issues than they were 10 or 20 years ago I, I, I think they're more informed I now. think they're more informed I think there's an awful lot of cloud a lot of information in the cloud um, but I think what because there's, there's isn't that really what we're talking about? Well, there's information about. overload. You see, like I'll read the Sunday papers, I'll read the papers during the week, and, and I'll, I'll place a certain trust based on the title. My kids will do it very differently. So we'll have a conversation about mm. a subject matter, and the question will be, where did you see that? Inquiring mm. mind that I have. Where did you see that? Sort of, uh, oh, I saw it on Facebook. Well, I don't know how to, to, to sort of qualify to parse the or to par- I don't know how to, to qualify the, the, the strength or weakness of the argument that's presented there whereas I know if I see it in uh, <laughs> getting into to sort of parsing titles here as to, but, but you, you put a certain value on on, on, on a title that, well, that we have come to understand but won't that trust and that genuine uh, quality sort itself out won't it settle well, well, I mean, well, it, well, your it kids are not going to no. settle presumably for a lesser standard of truth in the news than you said that you want, for example. Yeah, yeah. But the, dif- the, the difficulty is... They'll figure it if out. Facebook, well, if Facebook become a publisher and accept the principles of publishing, yes, because then there will be a responsibility on Facebook uh, to curate that, to verify it, and to remove it quickly if it's untrue. Whereas Facebook um, seem to think that, well, if it's free speech, we're just here to... to, to, to well, to yeah, they, they'll the, argue that for their own commercial yeah. purpose. Now, I... There is another side to that coin. I remember uh, covering uh, this industry 10, 20 years ago when people were making the same arguments about the broadband companies, the internet companies, as are being made about Facebook and Google now. Oh, well, the internet company pipes this stuff to our work, therefore they should be responsible. And you go 20 years before that, people were holding Eason's accountable for um, defamations and libels that were in newspapers. So there is an element of us getting to grips with this technology. But I just wanted to come back to on the license, on the replacement license fee, the household charge. Do you think it would be the same amount of money, roughly? Uh, well, initially, I think we could, we, we, we could do it a little bit less. If we collected the if we collected the extra thirty forty million, but I do think that if you, as I said, you believe in public service journalism, and RTE has challenges to, to rectify itself. It, it is it is a number of challenges. It has a big legacy um, cost, but it does need to restructure. Um, and I think management out there really need to get their act together. They've sold a big chunk of land, uh, and that was supposed to, you know, support a massive restructure of the organisation. I heard at the time there was talks about going from. 17 or 1800 staff down to 1100 because that's where they need to be they're, they're not even close to that I think they're still close to in or about the same number so they have a job of work to do uh, and I think if they get their act together 
and I hope they do because it is really important that we have a public service broadcaster to protect all that quality news and current affairs journalism and also to represent our culture uh, or you know the drama and, and all of that so it's such an important part of Irish life uh, and they have a, a key role there um, but then we need to pay for it and we need to be prepared to step up to the plate and if that does over time require index linking the licence fee rather than it being this sort of arbitrary difficult decision for politicians every time there's a problem we need to get beyond that so we need to put a but proper how, structure how, do, in place. how will it be collected if we're if we have a big truancy rate at the moment how on earth well there's a couple the there's, there's a couple of ideas um and when we did work on the committee uh we looked at the success of the revenue commissioners in collecting the um non-principal private residency tax at the time which initially was collected by local authorities uh, and as soon as responsibility was passed to revenue the truancy went down pretty fast um i think a lot of people who pay their license would like to see everybody else pay it as well. Now, there, there is an issue because, uh, you know, under the under the, the, the legislation, the television is defined very specifically. Right. So you can now watch or stream the content that has been costly to create and produce. You can stream it on an iPad, on a laptop. And because that's not defined as a television, you don't have to pay a license. So, so we need to we need to look at that as well. Um, but so change, change the law maybe to take in... Uh, a per household principle, and then give the collection. Well, I think I, I think if revenue, somebody, I, I think there are some people in the state who don't have any devices, don't have any television, mm-hmm. so I don't think they should pay for it. But I think they're few and far between, so there should be that opt out. But I think if people are consuming content that's expensive to create and produce, and it's and it's valuable. Then you know the the principle of a license is there, and so because a lot of people have no problem paying a connection to a satellite channel or to a, oh, no, a most cable. Most so, some people, people do. will do, and 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 yet they seem to think that one hundred and sixty or Netflix or broadband or Spotify yeah, and all and yeah, all the rest. Yeah, yeah. But you think the revenue should be the right agency then to collect it? I, I certainly think it it deserves. Um, it deserves to be looked at really seriously. Um, I, I, I don't want to come too heavy on people because I think, I, think, I think there's a job of education here and, and I think RT have gotten better at it. They're running so we, know, we know what the, the I know, license but, is. But, but I mean, there's a lot of people that don't actually because there's a lot of a younger generation who, because it's not, there's no problem paying Spotify, yeah. but my kids wouldn't have a clue what the license is because it's, it's almost an archaic sort of principle. You know, you get this document and it's stamped by the postmistress. It's, 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 it's old-fashioned in its nature, whereas my kids have signed up to so many things that they pay on a monthly basis and it's, it's, it's accepted. So we need to get into that format, that, 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 that digital age. But I, I do recognise that RT are making a better effort because they are running ads on their own station about what the licence fee actually supports. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think, so there's that education piece. So, so it's a, we've, got, we've got to collect the money. We've got to support the principle uh, of the creation of that content that's so important to, our, to, to, you know, to the lives of, of Irish people. Okay, I mean, we could spend more time yeah. on that. But I want to get to the National Broadband Plan. You've been very uh, vocal on this. You're sitting on... Uh, the preeminent Directus committee. You've invited lots of experts and lots of uh, different companies in. Uh, arguably, the most interesting and controversial one was Air CEO Caroline Lennon, who has been on this podcast uh, about six weeks ago, uh, who came in and said that Air could essentially provide an alternative to the national broadband plan for under a billion euro, including VAT on a different basis, essentially on the same basis that they're rolling out the 300,000 uh, rural fibre to the home. 
a lot of heated reaction to that. You gave that plan quite a lot of credence, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did, because for a couple of reasons. You go back to what the... Go back and look at what base principles were. The idea of the National Broadband Plan was to roll out high-speed broadband to uh, residents, businesses, farms, small enterprises in areas where there wasn't a commercial alternative. And the guiding principle was that it would be to the same standard and at the same cost as everybody else was getting it in the commercial environment. Now, from, 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 from my reading of everything that has happened over the past three to five years, you know, with the best will in the world, the department and their agents set about building a, a gold-plated um, procurement process for very good reasons. For very good reasons. I don't think their motivation was, was at all incorrect because of issues that had happened in the past and the notion that there was interference. And so you had to have checks and balances. But I think it was overdone. And I think, to me anyway, time was called on the procurement process when Cyro pulled out, because you were just down to two bidders at that stage. Uh, and I called for that in the doll, and I, I don't want to do an I told you so, because I, I get why people get, 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 get hemmed into silos. But certainly when Air pulled out, and at the time, the then chief executive, Richard Moat, had written to the minister and had made it fairly clear about town that they felt that this process was overly cumbersome um, and was, was exacting and demanding unnecessarily so. Uh, and, and Air at the time were able to cite, you know, that they were delivering broadband in an arrangement with the state and had certain timelines and certain uh, uh, standards to reach and did so very successfully. Now, look, AIR has had its own issues and I'd be very critical of AIR uh, on occasion. The one question I wanted to ask you about this. So AIR come in at the 11th and a half hour with an alternative proposal that sounds like it's going to save the state a billion euro on their own terms, and the, the chief executive of AIR makes a big splash about it. Do you believe AIR is bona fide on this? Uh, well, having listened and seen everything that's go- that, that, that has happened, I certainly think that they can deliver broadband an awful lot less expensively than what the, the National Broadband Plans procurement process is now delivering. They have done it to 300, they have succeeded in rolling out high-speed broadband or past 300,000 homes. I think they have the capacity to do it. I think it could be done more cheaply. Now, how you set up, there's a, there's a separate piece. Now, you know, maybe just to go back on one thing, it's know, very I, late. I just, it's 11 and a half, it's, yeah, it's, it's 11 it, and a half Don't you hour. think that, that that was the, the low-hanging fruit, the 300,000 that they took? That Cyro, for example, who dropped out of the National Broadband Plan bidding process, specifically and almost single-handedly blamed that one arrangement and basically blamed AIR yeah. for, the, for dropping out of the National Broadband Plan. Wouldn't it be an extraordinary coup for AIR if having divided up the intervention area, they then came back and persuaded the government to either stall or abandon the National Broadband Plan, which had probably become more expensive because they took the 300,000. Mm. And then, even better, give them a billion euro of taxpayers' money to go and build their own super monopoly around the country. All of that is a valid question, but you have to go back to the base principles. What are we trying to achieve? 
high-speed broadband as quickly as possible to 542,000 locations throughout the country. As quickly as possible and affordable. Now, I, I, th- that's why I felt that, th- that the entire process was broken when air pulled out because with their experience, with their infrastructure um, and their footprint and their scale of, of, of business in the country, I could never see how anyone would beat them in a procurement process. They were certainly favourites They um, were favourites uh, by, a, early by, on. by a long shot. But in an effort to create a competitive environment, they weren't allowed to factor in certain resources that they had available to them. And I get that from a point of view of competition. But when you're, when you're asking an incumbent to tie, you know, one hand and two legs together and to compete with somebody who's not in the place at all just for the purpose of saying we have a com- we, we're having a, a fair competition the only one that ultimately loses out here is the taxpayer but would well wouldn't idea the flip side to that might be that the country's telecom infrastructure might lose it because to allow air and I'm I'm only taking yeah. what I've heard department officials say but the basis for insisting what you're referring to is that air was essentially not allowed to house the body that would run the national broadband plant within its own existing company as a wholesale division. It, it would have to create a separate division within its own company. The department wanted that in place because, let's be honest, over the last 20 years, there have been massive problems with air and competitors and treating retailers in a very different way to, to, to treat the, the way they, they treat their own uh, retail arm. And to allow them to skip around that provision, which which they want, and I can see the reason for asking for that, would to be give the would it'd be like acceding to the wishes of don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but Chancellor Palpatine in um The Phantom Menace, and to give them an unprecedented amount of power, which would be an enormous coup for air. And I can see exactly why they would want that. And I can also see your point, which is that being the case, it would still be cheaper. We'd still get broadband at the end of the day. Isn't, isn't that the main goal? But I'm just wondering, like, have your party, all political parties, many other commentators, the one thing that has united most people over the last 20 years, and Caroline Lennon herself, when she was sitting in your chair, she said it was probably a mistake to uh, to privatise Aircom in 1999. Um I, would you not accept the bona fides of the Department of Communications uh, civil servants who say this is the reason we don't want air to have that power? No, because and I, I would agree um, that the privatisation uh, of air has created a problem. And if we if we if we knew then what we now know about the development of the internet and all that goes with it, I, I certainly don't think it would have been privatised. But I go back to the fundamental: why would you want to create? a separate service for the 500,000 that's any different to the 300 that are done and to all the other homes that will be served in the built-up areas. If your objective is just to support market failure and you do so as quickly as possible and at the minimum cost, worried about what air might do afterwards is not really your interest because quite frankly... Well, you're handling them a billion no, euro no, but I mean, taxpayer well, well, cash. Well, and absolutely. And if they so we, deliver... We would be worried. 
Well, if you and did, the it, monopoly. But hold on a second. If they, should they have a monopoly for the three hundred and for everyone else as well? Why does that matter to the consumer? The because important it's a much issue bigger is bigger monopoly. No, but it but, but it isn't really because well, it's three hundred plus another five hundred and forty thousand. But should that's not even commercially viable at the minute. And they the wouldn't have the is, same uh, constrictions in terms of how they dealt with consumers and and and, don't and other companies. that air are a regulated entity. They are. So therefore, it's not the wild west for the five forty. So that comes in under regulation as well. And you can increase or reduce regulation in line with EU rules. But the bit that's important to me is there's market failure. So you can intervene and you do intervene. And the guiding principle and Robert Watt, who has responsibility on the other side for taxpayers, is saying this can be done more cheaply. And our responsibility really is to get them high speed broadband. Setting up this superstructure uh, that's going to require a massive amount of uh, in my view, unnecessary oversight because you already have oversight through the regulator. It would, it could have been extended in a manner that protected your investment. But you know, when Are you there do any particular bits, well, when you, you do the maths on it, and it's worth, it's worth looking at it. If Air are saying they can do it for a billion, mm-hmm. and the department through their procurement process end up saying, you know what, the only person that's left in the race that can do this will charge us three billion. It seems to me under their guidelines, under, under their guidelines, guidelines, under the department guidelines, absolutely. And, and Air's bill was roughly was the same under those guidelines. A little bit different, but 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 let's yeah. just accept that what Air can do is deliver against your needs, high-speed broadband at mm. the same cost to the five hundred forty thousand. They can do it for a billion. The state has created this complex process that's going to cost three, but they will be happy that everything is protected and transparent and the whole lot. So to spend a billion to get the value of a billion. You're going to spend three. So there's two billion effectively on oversight, on ensuring that it's entirely competitive. The person on the other end doesn't really mind. They want their broadband. They want it now. But there's a wider taxpayer out there who are saying, yeah, we want to ensure that people who live in rural areas are treated fairly. But not if it's going to cost an additional, an additional two billion, an unnecessary two billion. And that's where, for me the conflict arises. And that's why you have to take seriously what Air are saying. And I don't think that the government has given the kind of independent analysis to the offer by Air. And look, Air are a commercial operator. They're a good company. Caroline Lennon is a smart lady. Um, and she's not, she's not offering to do it for free. She's not offering to do it for altruistic reasons. Uh, it's commercial for them. Um, it's about Air's long-term of course, interest in of the country. Of course it is. When, and when, you know what? what Isn't that in our about, interest that you have... When you talk about being a complex and oversight, other people would say being careful. Of course that you know government tender contract is going to be 1,500 page. Of course there's going to be hundreds of I's that need to be dotted and thousands of T's that need to be crossed because you are actually creating a, a process uniquely to protect the people getting the broadband. Air arguably have let huge chunks of the country down over yeah. the last two decades. Yeah. So to, to, to just suddenly rock up and say, well, you know, they say they can do it uh, for cheaper. So do you know what? I believe well, them. Let's ditch this process and go well, and go for no, that I one. I disagree with that because, you know, the department will defend when I raise questions about Granahan McCourt and whether mm. or not they have the experience, the capacity and the capability and all that goes with it. The department will say, well, you know what? We're only going to pay them. Uh, when they roll fibre past the door um, and if the company goes away or disappears or leaves the country, um, we'll, we'll own the stranded asset. Uh, the same could apply in a relationship uh, with air. You only pay them 
uh, when they when they have passed the, the, the That's the, if they the agree home. to that. They want everything on their own because yeah, they may not agree but, to but, that. But you know what? We're not going to solve that issue. That's why the minister and the department should be having uh, a, a much more uh, involved conversation with AIR. And in my view, an independent expert should have been brought in from outside the state because I think at this stage we're now almost asking... Run, we've almost run out of independent experts. Well, we experts. have. But I mean, you're asking PwC and KPMG and all analysis masons Mason, and yeah. like asking those people and I respect all of them and department officials as well but asking them to go back and recheck what they've already done it would be for them to, to find anything different would be an expression of failure in what they have done to date and that's not going to happen it, it does so seem is, that they've gone to consultancy after consultancy expert yeah. and most of them have come back uh, you know to say the same thing and so it looks but like I can't get away from the bit that in order to in, or, in order to protect the value of a billion you're going to spend three billion, but an additional two. I mean, that that's sounds good, but it, it, it's not really the case, when is you it? Tease through I mean, it the is. three billion—it's probably not going to be three billion, is it? Is it? It's two point uh, one billion well, well, plus that plus contingencies. To know, we're around long enough to know when you have people who are making significant returns on investment. Because if you look at Air versus Granahan McCord, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to, to profile unfairly anybody. But with the structure that's in air now, it's a long. It, it, it it's owned by a telco. It's owned by a French company. Ruthless telco. Ruthless, but in but but, be but ruthless with the Irish government. I accept as well. that. I accept that. But they're in the telco business. Yeah. Granahan McCourt uh, is a finance house with investment that wants to see a return, a quick return generally, uh, and there may be a more long term approach. Jeez, I'm not sure about the quick return, but any ana- independent analysis of this plan, Richard Kern wrote a very good piece for us uh, a f- that, few yeah. weeks ago, and he was like, how the hell are they going to make money well, out of this? I just have to go back to the to, to the memo that was produced by Robert Watt in the Department mm-hmm. of Finance which, mm-hmm. which have, uh, and his team, which effectively said, within eight years, mm. Granahan McCourt will have had all their money back through dividends and share I'd return loans. I'd love to have seen more from yeah, that well, memo. Yeah, well, the analysis was... so much and, of that was and, blacked out. And, and a lot of that... So, and I would have loved to have seen yeah. more detail. And, and uh, you know, the point being that by that stage, they'd have built out the network that have most of their money back. And then they would have the potential future revenues before even people would have started connecting up. So that's good for them. And, and I guess why Granahan McCourt would have been able to agree that with the state because, quite frankly, they were the only ones left in the race. They succeeded in getting about 400 million included for contingency that wasn't there previously. And, you know, that happened because there wasn't a competitive tension right through to the end. But look, that's their good look at one level. I've no issue with that. What I'm most concerned about is, you know, how quickly we can get broadband rolled out uh, to those 540,000 premises. And during the course of of the hearings, it became clear that actually Granahan McCourt, or NBI as they're now known, are going to roll fibre alongside existing fibre. Now that's going to take longer. There's also about a year which will be required to interface between the service providers who will use uh, the wholesale network. Um, that's additional time because don't forget Air currently have, have open air. So they have that interface with you know, all the others, the Three and Sky and all the other service providers that would, 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 would use the, ne- the, the network. Um, Grantham Court will have to build that interface and that's estimated at about a year. There's another year to relay fibre alongside existing fibre. So the, there's there's inherent delays before they'll this, ever sign when you up say anybody. This is, Department of, this is Department of Communications. This is the government. These yeah. are basically what the blueprint the government wants. I mean, the fact of the matter is really, this deal is done, isn't it? The government are going to sign this contract. They may well do. I mean, the government came out in the last number of days, even in advance of our committees reaching a conclusion, to say that they had written to air and there was a bit of... Thank you, but no thanks. 
we're we're plowing ahead with our with, with our, our, our will, will the committee's deliberations really make that much well, of a they difference? Well, they may not, but you know what? Uh, I, I'm the opposition spokesperson, uh, and I have a responsibility uh, in that role and to the to the, to, the, to the broader public to question and hold government to account. Uh, and I'll do that to the best of my ability. Some people will agree, some people will disagree with the position that I took. Um, and, 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 and I suppose I'll be happy in two or three years' time if my analysis at this point was wrong and that Granahan McCourt are rolling out broadband at a rate of knots and people are happy with the service and we get it less expensively than, than, than is currently predicted. I'll happily put my hand up and say, you know what, I was overly cautious, I was overly careful. I'll and bring I got you back on the podcast. I'd be happy now. to do that. But you know what, a year and a half ago when I saw Syro pulling out, at that stage I said, it's time to relook at this. When Air pulled out, I said, it's time to relook at that. And I was pushed back by the government uh, by saying, oh, it'll delay the process. You know, this is going to, if, if we have the review, it'll delay it another six months. That's 18 months ago, 20 months ago. Mm. And they still haven't signed a contract. So, Look, I've been at this for a decade and like hammering, do, hammering yeah. them uh, over, over delays. Isn't the reality, though, um, if there was an election in October or November and you, you're in government, wouldn't you just do a 360 turn, a 180 turn rather, the same as Dennis Nocton did, the same that actually Richard Bruton did. For me, the biggest wobble in the National Broadband Plan was actually when Richard Bruton was appointed and Leo and Richard Bruton were both really seriously considering whether or not to uh, uh, proceed with this. This was after uh, Nocton uh, was essentially dismissed. Um, you remember that episode yeah. uh, very well. But actually, if you got into power, wouldn't you end up running with this and defending the current process? No, I don't think I would, uh, unless that there was information provided to me uh, that I don't have at the moment. And, and I accept there's a lot of those documents redacted. But no, I don't. First of all, if you look at what finance are saying, we don't have the three billion. So, so how, you know, we, we don't have the extra money needed for the children's hospital. There's so many other projects around the country that we just are not funded. We're facing into Brexit. We, we you know, soft or hard Brexit there is additional costs to the state that are not funded three, five years out. And this is a long-term project that requires a very significant demand on resources. So it's not there. So that gold plating of oversight's not there. We could afford the billion. And I can assure you that if I was the minister in advance of the signing of any contract, I'd be sitting down with AIR. I'd also be sitting down with the regulator Air, Air and the department. AIR will string you along. AIR well, will say, yeah, we just need a few months to do this and then, look, we'll get, enter into negotiations but we want you to put well, the, the I, other process. You would actually go along with I, that? I, 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 I would go along with the original concept of getting high-speed broadband to that 542,000 homes, businesses and farms as cheaply as possible and as quickly as possible. And if AIR... And I think you'd very quickly figure out whether AIR were serious or not. I think you have to accept their bona fides up front and you, 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 you interrogate uh, that offer in, and you expedite it in a manner that you come to a conclusion very quickly. I don't think the government have done that. Uh, of course you're not going to walk into a deal with air uh, with your eyes shut uh, and you know, fail to recognise uh, you know, what their motivation might be. But I think if you, if you, if you deviate from the, the original um, uh, requirement, which is to get high-speed broadband to the 542,000 locations as quickly as possible at best value. I think you couldn't exclude air from that conversation. You would absolutely have to pursue that and convince yourself of, 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 of the fact that it was or wasn't 
uh, real. And I don't. I just don't think we have reached that point yet. We could continue talking about this for a long time, but I know you're under time pressure. So thank you very much for coming into studio. Uh, Timmy Dooley, Fianna Fáil spokesperson on communications, climate action and environment. And that is all we have time for uh, this week, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Do hit like or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. And for me, Adrian Weckler, I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.